episode 34 of the Talking Shop podcast with Ashley Beaton, who is currently the postgraduate intern for NCA Division II Governance, which, to my surprise, is actually a lot cooler than it sounds, so I enjoyed hearing her chat about that. And actually, how we met was at an NCAA function. In 2015, it was my freshman year and her junior year. We were both selected to represent the Great Lakes Valley Conference at the 2015 NCAA Leadership Forum in Orlando, Florida. Her being a volleyballer, me being a baseballer. So it was just an awesome four days getting to connect with her, a lot of other student athletes, and you know, develop, grow, progress. Uh, our leadership styles, what we believe about leadership and, and kind of things like that that we could bring back to our teams back home. We talk about networking, how she's been able to kind of navigate through that throughout her undergrad, her master's degree, uh, this current position she has with the NCAA, and also hopefully beyond. As well, we talk about core values. And something that we both agreed on is that it is 100% worth putting in a little bit of time and just reflecting and and figuring out what your core values are. One of my favorite parts of the episode was her answering, uh, what can we get out of her experiences? And, and there were three main things. The first one, quote, you're never too big for a small one of opportunity. Number two, nothing is forced, kind of just going with the flow. Number three, creating authentic relationships. So this was an awesome talk, getting to connect again. And I know that you'll ha- get a lot of value out of this. So let's get going. Let's get better together. Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tometz, and I'm going to share lessons and experiences in sports performance and professional development. Now, on to the episode. Another episode of the Talking Shop Podcast with my friend, Ashley Beaton. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Always another, always a great day when I can record a podcast and catch up with old friends. So a little, little background about how Ash and I know each other. We met, uh, gosh, 2015, March, 2015. I think it was 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. We were both fortunate enough to represent our respective schools in, uh, the Great Lakes Valley Conference at NCAA Leadership Forum. If I said that correctly, but. A uh, four-day student-athlete leadership thing in Florida, super fun. Uh, we were in the Purple Squad, right? Was that the name of it? Yeah, that's right. Purple group. <laughs> purple yeah. team. <laughs> yeah, so so Ashley's doing some some cool stuff with the NCAA now, and she balled out. She's a volleyball player, and I'm excited to get into it. So <laughs> uh, for those that are not familiar with your background, would you mind sharing a little, little bit about that? Yeah, so I guess I'll start back in 2015 at the Leadership Forum. That was really kind of the first national level exposure I've gotten as a student athlete. And seriously, that, I mean, it was awesome. Like so many things were going on. It was awesome. So after that, I really became involved in the Student Athlete um, Advisory Committee, SAC. And so I started on my campus and then I was elected on to National SAC. And so I knew the ins and outs of Division II, um, being a D2 student athlete, and kind of did all that. Um, So when I graduated from undergrad, I was like, all right, well, this is a natural fit. Like, I've got to go this athletics route. I love it. It lights me up. So I went and pursued a graduate assistant 
ship down at the University of North Georgia, where I pursued my MBA. So fast forward two years, I applied to the postgraduate internship at the NCA headquarters in Indianapolis, and that's what I'm doing now. So I'm the postgrad intern for D2 Governance. Um, a little bit in a nutshell of what governance is, is so obviously the NCA is member led. So no one who works in the national office makes any rules. It's all committees. And so the governance team works with all the committees. So I get to interact with athletic directors, current student athletes, conference commissioners, um, faculty athletic reps, you name it. Um, I get to interact with them and which is really awesome. But just being able to be a part of the postgraduate internship program cohort um, is pretty special. So that's what I'm up to now. Sweet. So, so this might be just my own ignorance, but uh, is there a differentiation between post-grad intern and just a regular intern? Yeah. So the way it works for this internship, and I mean, there's 30 of us in this cohort, so it varies on what kind of backgrounds we come from, but you have to at least have graduated um, with your bachelor's. So post-grad in the sense that you're done with college, but I mean, some people come to the internship straight out of undergrad. Other people first do their master's and then do the internship. And then actually last year, there was an intern who had their PhD. And then we've got a handful of interns that have um, their law degree. So, I mean, it's super diverse, come from all backgrounds, but you at least have to have um, your bachelor's degree. Cool, cool. So NCAA people know what that is. And I feel like compliance is probably the term the average bear might know. Is that different from governance? <laughs> yes. So that's a a decent misconception is that, you know, governance is all rules and policy and stuff like that, which, yes, there's a little bit of truth to that. But actually, the group that does most of the rules and the legislation and stuff like that is called uh, the Academic Membership Affairs Group. So AMA for short, because we love our acronyms. But so governance, like I said, works, <laughs> works a lot with the committees. And so we're really in the rooms where the true implementation and like rule changes happen. Um, so, I mean, we get to hear student athletes discuss, you know, all sorts of different topics and we get to hear athletic directors and other admin who are on these committees discuss like really, really high you know, intense, high level um, issues that are going on in real life on on these campuses. And so it's it's really cool to see stuff like that kind of start from the ground up. Um, but in addition to the committees that governance staff works with, we do a ton of initiatives. So for Division Two specifically, we'll bring down um, coaches to the office and it's like a coach's connection type thing where they get to network with other coaches. And then we go through some leadership development. We'll do the th same thing with faculty athletic reps. Um, so I kind of like to say that governance in terms of the different departments at the NCAA is kind of like the hidden gem. We get to do a little bit of everything. And as an intern uh, for D2 governance, I get to work social media almost every single day. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter running those accounts. Um, I'm working championships. Um, I, of course, go to the committees. I am sitting in on bylaw training with the AMA interns. So I get to do a little bit of everything. And I think in terms of 
other full-time staff in governance and what they do. It's around the same thing. Wow, you, you totally just sold me on that. That was a lot cooler than I thought it was. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a lot. It's uh, A lot of people don't really know what governance does. They're like, what do you do today today? But it, it depends. It's always different. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask, like, what do you do day to day? But I guess you kind of just explain it. So, so how does that or what is that setting you up for when your internship kind of finishes? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, so I guess the beauty of the governance internship, I mean, you get exposed to so much. So there's so many different skills that you learn during this internship that can apply to so many different areas. Like the past interns that governance has had, you know, they've gone to conference offices, like the last division one intern is now at the SEC office. Um, the last intern in D2 is working fundraising and development at Yale. Um, we've got people who are not even in athletics, but working in higher ed. So, I mean, there's so many applicable things that you can take from it. So like to tag on to more of the day-to-day -day stuff, like I'm seriously on Twitter and Instagram looking for good content to post and reposting articles on NCA.com. So in terms of sports information director type work, very applicable, um, being able to talk and make connections and build relationships with people because of the committee work that I do. That's very applicable to the development side of things. Um, or, you know, what athletic directors do every single day is making relationships with people. So what I want to do afterwards is still in progress, but, but like I said, I mean, the doors are wide open. You meet so many people, you make so, so many connections and I'll probably go into this a little bit later, but for as, many people who are in this industry, it is so, so small. There's always some weird connection that you have with people. And I mean, everyone kind of knows everyone in, in some strange way. Cool. Yeah. I've, I've figured that out or just learned about communities like that within beach volleyball. So it's, mm -hmm. it's literally so small and they all migrate to California in the summer and we'll <laughs> go, you know, to the each coast of the country and all of these different schools there's girls that play with girls growing up and the assistant coach yep. coached three of them at that school and five of them on that school. And it's just like, it, it's cool to see, see something like that. So it, it's cool that, that you're a part of that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So and volleyball is so yeah. funny too. Cause it's, I mean, cause I was a volleyball student athlete, so I totally get that. And you start playing club and then you see the same girls in college and yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah. And, and you're one step ahead of me. You kind of alluded to it, but, well, dream big, shoot for the stars. What's kind of your optimal, optimal job post this? My optimal job. That's a great question. So right now, I guess first I'll go next steps and then kind of what my end goal is. But I have three areas of athletics that I absolutely love. So I was a psychology major. Um, and the reason I say that is because the academic advising part and student athlete development in athletics. I, I mean, I love that stuff. I am wanting to help people every single day. And, um, I didn't necessarily have those resources when I was a student athlete. So I think it'd be awesome for me to give back in that way. On the other side, um, I've really enjoyed my time working with the championships department at the national office at the national level. I mean, it's so fun and championships are kind of the 
the pinnacle of what every student athlete wants to accomplish in their athletic career. Um, and it's so hype and they're so excited all the time and you get to see their stu- the student athletes at their best. So that's been really fun. And then the third thing I'm really interested in is development. Um, I mean, I'm super passionate about college athletics. I had a really good experience as a student athlete. And so being able to share that with people to hopefully give back um, is is really exciting too. So looking farther in the future, I would love to be, I say this now, but it's intimidating is to be an athletic director because I know how much they have to do. Um, but being able to lead a team of coaches and administrators and help student athletes um, at, at that level as an athletic director would be awesome. And and one thing um, I'm super passionate about, too, is I was introduced to this group called Women Leaders in College Sports. And so, you know, it's it's a group, an organization that advocates for women in athletics. And they tell us these stats, you know, there's 12 percent of of athletic directors in the division one level or women 12%. Like that's crazy. So I'm like, all right, well maybe I can increase that by being the one more in 20 years or something like that. So, um, we'll see, we'll see in 20 years, maybe I'll be an athletic director. It sounds really intimidating right now, but it's a good goal to shoot for. Yeah. Dream big. I'll, I'd love to have you on for round two. Once you achieve that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, it's so a, a theme I've gotten from some of my guests on TSP thus far is is most of them were college athletes and they're mm-hmm. in, you know, sports performance, professional development, some aspect of sports. And it's cool how their favorite parts of their experience, they've been able to combine that with with kind of their off the field passions and interests. So it's it's cool that, that you've kind of found your thing. I'm excited to to stay up to date with with what you got going on. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the coolest story you have thus far? And although I didn't specify this earlier, I'm going to ask for coolest volleyball story and then coolest kind of NCAA professional story. Mm, Okay, great question. So I have a couple of, I mean, I'm super fortunate enough to have, I mean, I'm young in my career, but there's so many cool things I've gotten to do. Um, so I have a couple, but the most recent one. So like I mentioned, we at the National Office for Interns, we have a cohort of about 30 of us. And so we actually had the opportunity to go to the NCA president, Mark Emmert's um, house in Indianapolis. And so he invited all of us over, him and his wife. And we had a super chill pizza night and we hung out and asked him questions and talked to him one-on-one and played some trivia like I mean how cool is that like this the president of the NCA like invites you to his house and you're just chilling and having pizza with him and getting to know him and he's super interested in what in what you're doing and your goals and so um that was awesome um I would say another work-related story that that's pretty cool is that being at the national office right now with all the name image and likeness stuff. I mean, in terms of big things that are happening to college athletics and kind of the perfect time to be at the national office. I mean, you can't really get any better than that. It's, I mean, it's a really awesome opportunity that especially 
since I'm working in governance, I get to hear what the committees think about these things and, and what they want to do to help change these things. And so um, that's pretty cool too. And I don't have any specific stories for that, but just being able to sit in those rooms and being invited to sit in those rooms and listen to these people talk and try to come up with solutions is, is awesome. So yeah, switching gears, go ahead. It's, it's a, uh, one of those things where it's kind of like in the moment, you're like, I'm doing it. Like, this is so cool. Like you can't put your finger on it. Yeah. And it's sometimes not always in the moment. Sometimes it's like a week later, but it's like, wow, like how cool is that? So yeah, it's, it's cool that, that you've, you've realized some of those moments, but, um, your, your next story, sorry. Yeah. So totally agree with that. You kind of just have to take a step back sometimes and you're like, you know what, like, this is pretty awesome. And not a lot of people get to do this. And so I'm super grateful. And, um, I try to share my experiences with everyone. So again, I'm super thankful that you asked me to talk on your podcast. This is awesome. Um, but so volleyball related, I would have to say the coolest memory I have. So the class that I graduated with of seniors was decently big. Um, and so, you know, we normally did not all play on the court at the same time. And we had a couple people who were injured during the four years and stuff like that. So the only time really that all the seniors played together on the same court at the same time was senior night. And it was our very last game because unfortunately we weren't making it to conference my senior year. So our coach put us all on the court and he was like, you're all in different positions. You know how to play, use your experience, go. And it was awesome because I'm like, they're my best friends, had never done this before. We were playing a really, you know, a good team and we ended up winning. And I mean, my teammates' parents still talk about it. Like they still talk about it. And it's something so small, but the fact that we were all on the court as seniors together playing our very last volleyball game ever um, was super special. So even though it's not like nothing like winning a national championship or anything like that, but that was probably my favorite story. It's it's one of those things where you literally could not draw it up any better in the, in a movie. So. <laughs> having just one one of those stories in your back pocket is is definitely something to remember so that is that's awesome yeah it was pretty special so next kind of big question what are some main governing beliefs slash perspectives that help guide you in your life and your profession yeah that's a good one i could go on for for hours about this one because um, i think about it all the time but um i think the one thing that I really try to fall back on in terms of beliefs and perspectives are my core values. Um, I know that sounds kind of cliche, but in terms of trying to decide what you're going to do next and where you're going to move to next or what step you should take, I feel almost at ease if I know that I have my core values set and that's kind of what guides me through life. So for me, it's, it's my family that's, I mean, they're huge. I'm a huge family person. I'm super fortunate. I'm like best friends with my two sisters who also play volleyball. My parents are unbelievably supportive. Um, so that's a big aspect in my life. And so the second core value I have is respect. And then the third one is loyalty. So 
as long as I think I have those three lined up, I feel comfortable making any decision if I've thought it through. Um, but the other thing, and it's funny because I first heard this quote at the student athlete leadership forum in Orlando that, which is obviously how we know each other. And our group leader said, you have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And for some reason that stuck with me. And I think about it every single day. I still think that's the best piece of advice I've ever gotten because going into college, I was kind of unsure of my volleyball ability. I was unsure of my leadership skills and all that stuff. And through volleyball, being a student athlete and having an awesome support system and going to things like the Student Athlete Leadership Forum, I was like, you know what? The only way I'm going to grow and improve is to force myself outside of my comfort zone. Because I know I'm not going to do myself any good if I just stay in that little bubble and I'm not learning anything new. So seriously, every single day I'm thinking to myself, like, what can I do to make myself feel a little bit more uncomfortable, but it's going to benefit me, you know, in the end. Um, so I guess to summarize, yeah, definitely core values and just trying to push myself outside my comfort zone. Yeah, it's it's really cool that you said that because uh, TSP 22, uh, I made a, an episode just reflecting on a, a conversation I had with a sport coach where basically they have a core value pyramid. And how, mm -hmm. you know, you have that as an athlete, but then you can also have that kind of in your personal life. And, and then I, I made one for myself. And it's funny because my, you know, bottom layer, he calls it larger purpose is like make my mom, dad and my bro proud. So I totally feel you on, on the family thing, but with a pyramid and having something not necessarily written out, but where, you know, it's a thing, whether it's in your mind, but you know, I believe writing it out just makes it that much more concrete. It takes out the guesswork because there's infinite amount of decisions you can make at any point in time. What do I study yeah. next? Who do I go network with next? Where do I move? What do I do X, Y, Z? But if they literally guide you and if you have it in writing to reference it, it just makes everything 100% easier. So it's, it's cool that, that you realize kind of the importance of that and you've been able to implement it in your own life. Yeah. And I love the pyramid idea. I think that's a really, that's a really cool idea. Um, I might have to steal that, but, and of course, like you're going to change in life, you know, as a person, you're going to grow. So your core values might change depending on where you are in life. But again, I think it's good to always know what they are, whether they're changing or not. Um, and then reevaluate them if you have a big life change or something like that, because it's not, I mean, you're not a static person. You're always developing. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least for me, like I said, it gives me a little bit more peace of mind that I know I'm, you know, kind of standing my ground and I'm not wavering in who I really am as a person. Yeah. So, so not wavering, like there's no guesswork. It's, it's something to reference. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out different ways to, to explain it, but, um, <laughs> and, and I like that you commented how you're kind of always changing where, just because you write it out once doesn't mean that you have to take that, you know, to your grave where you can have different pyramids for different as a professional, as, as a member of your family and as a student, you know, and, and kind of things like that um, to where you just got to start somewhere and that's just with reflection. And then you kind of, you kind of go from there. So it's, it's a, it's an ever changing process and it, it is tough and it takes a lot of mental effort, but 
I think the the ROI is is huge. Um, so that's something that's helped me out. And it was actually my last and second to last or third to last Instagram post. I put a picture of my little my little pyramid. So um, for the listeners interested, go check it out. <laughs> I keep giving myself plugs, yeah. but but it's just like <laughs> it's been so helpful. No, absolutely. When, yeah, when you're kind of looking for direction, or it's like, how do I navigate this? It's like literally right in front of my face on my whiteboard in my room. You know. So yeah, 100% agree. It's a good reminder. Yeah. Um, next big question. I would love to, I mean, I'm sure we could do a, a whole episode on, on core values, but um, uh, how can your experiences help my listeners grow as coaches? So that could be sports performance specifically or just as professionals. So yeah, what can we get out of your experiences? Yeah, that's, that's huge. So I would say that first you're, you're never too big for a small window of opportunity. And I mean, especially in this industry, every, I feel like everyone wants, not everyone, but a lot of people want to work in sports and especially college athletics. It's such a big market and it's so competitive to try to get in, whether it's in administration, coaching, sports performance, um, college, you know, student athlete nutrition, like all of the aspects of college sports is, is huge. And so, and I'm sure, you know, too, it's just, it's a grind of trying to get into the industry and try to get your foot in. So, I mean, like I said, you're, you're never, you got to stay humble and you got to just put your head down and work and whatever opportunity kind of comes knocking at your door, you've just got to take it. Um, as long as going back to the core values, as long as it aligns with everything, um, to make sure that it makes sense for you, um, and just going in the right path of what, what you want to do in the next five to 10 years. So that would be one thing. Um, but another thing too, is I feel like nothing should really be forced. Um, of course you're going to work hard and you're going to be intentional with what you do, but I feel like going kind of with the natural flow. Um, I mean, you can't take life too, too seriously. I've learned that and so you've got to have fun with it. You've got to go with the flow sometimes, all the while being intentional, um, but just kind of going with the natural flow. So, I mean, speaking personally, I was I was a psych major and I absolutely love psychology. I hope someday that I can figure out how to merge college athletics and what my passion lies within that and psychology together. But coming out of grad or coming out of undergrad, I did not want to go get my PhD in psychology. And from my experience on national SAC, I was like, you know what? I think the right thing to do right now is to stick with this college athletics route and see where it takes me. And it's been an awesome ride so far. And so I'm just going to keep riding this train until I hit a dead end. And hopefully <laughs> I never hit a dead end. So just kind of, again, going with that flow. Um, but I think the last thing that I would say, and I mentioned this, a little bit before, but is just to really focus on creating authentic relationships. It's one thing to network and it's one thing to reach out to people, but I mean, you've really got to, people are so willing to help, especially in this industry, because we've all kind of been at the bottom trying to work our way up. So making sure that when you meet people, it's authentic and it's real and you really try to get to know them as a person and not just using them as a springboard to get somewhere else. Um, for your own personal agenda. So I think that's really important too. The, the, the three things you said, I 
So, fun fact: I'm trying to write a a networking book for young adults, actually. And all that of those is three. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's like a. I'm such a nerd. I think having a podcast and trying to write a book is like a fun challenge. But like literally, literally, those three things are some of my main talking points. And I'm gonna try to bring it all together. But like, just the fact that you were, you reaffirmed that I'm not that crazy. So I'm super grateful no. for that. So yeah. So, uh, never too big for a small window of opportunity. I love that. And uh, a podcast I had with a friend of mine. He said, um, like, you're never too big for whatever role, you know, if you're basically just rephrasing that, but, um, if your job is to go get the towels for the weight room, you get those towels and you fold them as best as you can, you know, and how do you expect to get the medium responsibilities if you can't crush the small ones and how do you expect to get the large ones? Yeah. If you can't crush the medium ones and, and I know it's hard to get kind of the, the minutia tasks and. You want the big sexy ones, but you have to understand that there is a process. You kind of got to earn your stripes. So that's kind of the never too big for a small window of opportunity. And then uh, nothing is forced and going with the flow. So how I describe this in networking is is it's a push-pull where, yes, you have to – well, I guess I'll describe the push first. So I've definitely pushed a ton in my life, going out and getting lunch with people, sending emails just asking my mentor a ton of questions and things like that. But I've been super fortunate to have been pulled as well. So it's called a push pull, not a pull push. So I never could have been pulled if I didn't push first. So I hope you're able to follow along. But um, so like, for example, I'll just tie this into volleyball. Like I, the reason I'm with the beach volleyball team is I knew the strength coach for the team. And I said, hey, I do this sports science thing. Like, if you guys want, let me know, you know. And then I was fortunate enough to where they were interested. They talked to the coaches and the coaches kind of pulled me in. So people definitely don't understand how important pushing, putting yourself out there really can be. But also not forcing it. Like, if someone's not going to pull you, then, you know, eventually you just got to move on. Um, Yeah. And And I mean, that's a big thing about, like, the point in creating authentic relationships because yeah absolutely you need to put yourself out there you need to let people know what your goals are because if they don't know they can't help you and so that's a big thing too but if you have like a legit authentic relationship with someone it's going to be so much easier for them to speak so highly of you and to give you advice and to help you because otherwise it's just another person asking for help and we're already all so busy so i think that's huge yeah, and, and the, the third point, creating authentic relationships, is I, I give this this uh, kind of dual example where it's like, imagine if you get an email, hey, Miss Beaton, I know that you're the post-grad intern for NCA governance, and and I was wondering if you could connect me with one of your colleagues, versus if you get an email, hey, Miss Beaton, I see you played volleyball at UIS, I'm from the Midwest too. Um, it's, you know, and I play COD volleyball and all of this stuff. And, and I was wondering if, if you could answer these, you know, few quick questions for me, you know, it's like the second one's going to make your day. And the first one, you're just going to roll your eyes, you know, and, yeah. and in networking, people forget that you're networking with humans, not robots. Um, and then kind of to tie this into another lesson about networking 
is you definitely have to establish rapport and a relationship before you start kind of asking for stuff because people want to help out. It's part of human nature. Um, mm -hmm. And, and you know, everything in life is giving and exchanging value, which is one of my life rants for a different time. But, <laughs> you know, people, there's been plenty of people that have given me value and I'm sure given you value in your life and we're looking forward to giving back. So people want to do it but they're not going to do it to strangers. They're going to do it to real people that respect them as humans first, you know, cause imagine how many DMS and emails, these super high up people get every day where it's like, Hey, what can you do for me? Hey, what you, can you do for me? You know, but if you kind of flip the script and say, Hey, you're a human, your experiences, your life like that. I think that's super interesting. That's going to be received way better. Um, so that's my rant. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. And, I mean, being kind of dual perspective, flipping it on the other side, I, people love to talk about themselves again, oh, human nature. So just sitting, like you said, sitting down with people and just saying, Hey, like, what was your path to where you are now? Like, what advice do you have? What advice, you know, just talking them through because they, they'll talk forever. And then that's how you get to know them and build rapport. So yeah, totally echo everything you just said. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, was it TSP nineteen? It's cool that like all my experiences are kind of coming together. So uh, <laughs> lessons from a phone call with a director of performance for an MLB team. S super crazy. Long story short, I got his personal email at the end of a podcast. I was like YOLO, put myself out there, email him. <laughs> I sent a super brief email. I was like, hey. I love the podcast. I loved how you talked about X, Y, Z. So I showed that I actually like listened to it. Um, I just have two quick questions. Um, what's your opinion on this sports science technology? Like what's the difference maker? So applying it to kind of the connection. And then second, like you're super successful at what you do. Do you have any advice for me as I start my career search? Cause I graduate in May. Two quick questions. It was like two half paragraphs. And then he responds one sentence. He goes, can we set up a phone call? You know? So I, I'm on the phone with this guy as he's, you know, halfway across the U.S. traveling with the baseball team. And, and I'm just asking him these questions and, you know, we're having this conversation. And then at the end, he's like, so what do you want to do? And then I was like, oh, wow. And then I kind of explained and he's like, you know what? You know what? Send me your resume. Uh, the season's almost over. We're going to have our winter meetings. And if anything comes up, I'll, I'll send your resume along. And and he didn't have to do that, but there was something that that kind of struck a chord with him where it was this guy's reaching out. He's professional. He wants it. You know, I'm going to stick my neck out for him. I did all of the pushing and he just gave that little pull at the end. Um, so, yeah, just trying to put everything together. Sorry. No, Matt, that is awesome. That's that's so cool, by the way. But that's yeah, it's important too. like you said, just you got to put yourself out there sometimes and you get rewarded like that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then going back to the going with the flow and how if people aren't going to push you, you kind of got to, you kind of got to back off. And I mm -hmm. can't talk all this awesome about myself. So uh, kind of last story. And then um, we can move on to the, the next big question before I ramble everyone to sleep. Um, but <laughs> something where everyone can learn from my shortcomings. So I met a NC, an ESPN college volleyball commentator. Holly McPeak. Are you familiar with that name? Yeah. 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 I so I met her 
she was commentating the indoor volleyball game that night on campus, but she came to beach practice because she actually coached some of the girls on the team. So it's super small world, right? And we're, you know, just, I introduced each other and everything. And we're like 10 minutes in and just chatting. And I go, and I just like hit her right in the face. I was like, so how can your experiences help me out as a sports scientist? And it's like eight in the morning, by the way, you know? <laughs> and she was just like, oh, wow. Like, that's really tough, you know? And that was basically her answer. So it's like, I rushed into it way, way too quick. Was not the right <laughs> moment, opportunity. Like she just met me. So it's, it's exciting to meet cool people like that. And you can get kind of caught up in the um, emotions and the rush. And like she was a gold medalist in the Olympics and, and whatnot. Oh my gosh. So be patient, be real, understand there is a credibility that you have to establish. So, um, yeah, just, just want to put that out there as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm one more, one more face palm closer to where I want to be. That's what I say. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you had a perfect world in your profession, what would it be? So how do you optimize the good and how do you improve the bad? Oh, that's a tough question. So my big thing, kind of my why behind why I love working in governance, but why I want to stay in college athletics is because and I assume a lot of people who were student athletes feel the same way, but being a college athlete gave me so many opportunities and gave me access to become a better leader and a better person. And so all I want to do is give back to the future generations of college athletes and to the sport that gave so much to me. I absolutely love volleyball. Can I see myself coaching? I don't know, maybe club, but definitely not college. So have total respect for all the volleyball coaches out there. Um, but I just want to give back because, like I said, I got so much from being a student athlete. So in a perfect world in college athletics or an administration in college athletics, I would love to see enough sports psychologists that every student athlete that needed access to that had access. Um, I mean, not to go on a rant, but I mean, mental health is such a big, a big topic right now, but it's because it's so important. And I struggled with it as a student athlete. I struggled with it when I wasn't a student athlete. Um, I had a lot of teammates, uh, family members that, that need help. And, Sometimes as student athletes, we all hear it. It's hard to ask for help because we're all tough. Um, but I mean, it's just as tough asking for help. So I would love to see that just enough resources for schools to have sports psychologists for their student athletes. But I think another thing I would love to see is that college athletics and every aspect of it continues to grow with the student athlete. So, I mean, there's so many different things that change every single year in, in college athletics. It's hard to keep up with sometimes. Um, but the student athlete is changing all the time too, in terms of their needs. And I mean, you know, I'm sure as well as anyone else in sports performance, like in terms of that kind of stuff, you guys are always evolving and, and what you're teaching and, um, coaching these student athletes. So just the ability to keep growing and keeping up, 
So that way every single student athlete um, has enough opportunity and access to have the absolute best experience that they can in the four or five years that they're there. Yeah, 100%. I think it's definitely a matter of time to where or to when, you know, kind of sports psychology um, kind of catches up with the rest of college sports. And it's just, it follows the, the kind of trend of, of each facet of sports performance. Like first, you know, people thought lifting weights made you slow and it was pointless. And they realized <laughs> the, the value in that, you know, ESPN had a little bit that came out like the evolution of the college strength coach where literally like the first dude was ever hired as a college strength coach the football coach said, all right, you have one year. If we suck, you're done, you know? And then of course, like they started lifting weights and they got way better. And then, and Surprise. then it, it turned, <laughs> yeah. And then it turned into like more specific of a sport coach and just like sports specialization. And then it turned into like super specific sport training, um, you know, and all of the off season stuff. And then, like sports nutrition is just starting to really catch on in college athletics. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, sports psychology is, is the next one that it's only a matter of time. Um, so with due time and, and with good advocates and uh, yeah. Are you familiar with Victoria Garrick, by the way? I am. I actually listened to her podcast as well. <laughs> she has a podcast. She does. She does. It's called uh, real talk. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Uh, the head coach of the beach team, actually, he saw her TED talk at like TEDx USC. If you've seen that video, I have not yet, but I'll have to check it out. So I, I would assume if you're familiar with her content, you've probably heard most of her talking points. But she's, you know, a huge advocate for um, mental health and and awareness yeah. in college sports. Um, and you know, kind of her talk, I think, did a, a super good job of summarizing it. But it's it's where first, like. You don't know you need it, and then you get some awareness, and then you realize you need it, and then I feel like college sports is where they realize they need it yet. They realize they need it, but they just haven't kind of gone through it yet. So I would say big changes are coming within the next few years, um, and that'll definitely uh, even out with kind of the progression of the college athlete. So yeah, that was a good answer. Yeah. So I I agree. I hope in the next couple of years, and I know there's been significant strides. And especially at the national office, we have our sports science Institute who does an awesome job with pushing out, um, resources and, and research for student athlete health and well-being. So yeah, there's definitely been strides, but that's, I mean, again, being a psych major, that's something I'm super passionate about. And yeah, I'm confident that those type of resources will be available soon. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So You've made it to the speed round. Congratulations. Oh, boy. <laughs> so if you had one call to action for the listener, what would it be? Okay. So my call to action would be to define your personal core values. And it's yes. going to be hard because there's a lot that you can choose from, but your top three, and then you've got to, you've got to live by them, but then you've got to reevaluate them. So define your personal core values. Yeah, it's, it's definitely always changing. Um, you know, with, with every version of you, you're going to have kind of new core values, but, um, I, I actually have three and it's in my pyramid. Um, I'll, I'll just go through them really quick if that's all right. So, yeah. um, uh, my first one is authenticity. 
Um, I spent a lot a of one. my under my my undergrad trying to be someone else, someone that I wasn't, or just not me. Um, and it took me a while to realize that. But everything I want to do, I want to be myself. Uh, the next one is a little more unique. Uh, it's sophistication. So I define that as like the opposite of naivety. So people that just clock in and clock out, don't really see the value, don't really see the substance of things. You know, I think there's so much value in the world and thinking about the deeper meaning and kind of like how there's so much more to kind of the daily tasks. I want to, I want to realize those. And then my last one is passion, which self-explanatory, but I have three, you have three. We're both, we're both advocating. So awesome call to action. Awesome. What is the book on your nightstand? Okay, so this book is called Present Over Perfect. Um, one of the athletic trainers uh, at the school I used to be a GA at, University of North Georgia, started to read this. And I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting title. What is it about? And she told me, and it's, um, again, kind of what you just mentioned. It's being present every single day. And it is, um, it's a faith-based book, but I mean... It's super applicable to anyone, but it's, but yeah, like I said, you got to be present in the moment. You can't think too much about the future. You can't dwell on the past and, but how to really implement that into your daily life. And as fast and crazy and chaotic as college athletics can be, sometimes it's hard to slow down. Um, so I think for me, it's, it's a good reminder so this is definitely a book that I won't just read one time. And I do. I recommend this to anyone who feels like they need to slow down and, and live in the present a little bit more. It's a good book. Easy read. Fantastic. I will put that in the show notes for the listener. Uh, best purchases past year under 50 bucks. Oh, okay. I have two. So my first Ooh. one, super simple, blue light glasses. I so much more than the past couple of years have been staring at a computer for my job and my eyes get so tired. So those have been a lifesaver. Seriously, you can get them for like $15 on Amazon. My second is a bullet journal. And so I have always been a huge note taker, daily planner, list writer type person. Um, so one thing that the division two governance team lives by is bullet journaling. And I've seen it before and I've seen the super creative, like artistic calligraphy stuff on Pinterest. And I was like, no way, that's not me. I can't do that. Um, but it can be so simple and minimalistic. And there is so much research on bullet journaling. So they got me hooked and it is amazing. Every single aspect of my job and personal life is in this 200-page bullet journal that I completely customized. I literally got it for like $8 at Walmart, and you can get them on Amazon for, you know, various prices. But, I mean, bulletjournal.org is your go-to, like, guru spot for all that information. But it is awesome if you need another way to stay organized or if you just feel like you have sticky notes all over the place and you don't know how to keep up with all your, you know, daily tasks, highly recommend it. hundred percent. What's bullet journaling. Okay. So bullet journaling is like the Mecca, the all time, like one-stop shop for 
all your organization. So I, to be honest, at first I was like, this is super cheesy. I don't know if I can follow this. Um, but it's pretty much so the journals, instead of having the normal lined paper, it's the journal with the pages with all the little dots on the paper. So you can customize literally like anything and everything. Um, but if you go to bulletjournal.org, there is there are blogs, research, how to tutorials on how to do this thing. But so typically what it is, is you'll number your pages and then you'll have an index. So that way, anything that you put in your bullet journal will be easy to find because you can just flip to whatever page. But everyone does it differently. So there's people who do it like super artsy and they'll go to Pinterest and find all these, you know, calligraphy things and pictures. And there's like the minimalist who literally write like July, then like the month and then their like tasks for the day. And that's all. So totally personable. Like you can just design it however you want to. Um, but you like there's keys that you follow and formats that you follow. So if you're a super big person, like process person, I feel like you'd love this, um, but it is the best thing ever. And once you get on board, like you'll throw away your post-its and everything else because this is the only thing you'll need. Um, you can write down like what you do daily. You can write down a monthly overview. You can write down like a gratitude blog or like a list of books to read or like stuff that you're waiting for, like emails, like it can literally be anything you want it to be. But I'd say that one, if you're a Pinterest person, you can look on there if you want to be more artistic with it. But bulletjournal.org, it is a lifesaver, I promise. I will definitely look into that because I am 100% OCD, sticky note, yep. bullet point list. So especially if it's, you know, within the grad student budget, I'm all about it. Yeah, $8 at Walmart. Like it's, Seriously, and like the most expensive one I saw was 20 bucks, so super doable. Yeah, I will 100% look in that for sure. So yeah, good good answer. And it's funny, so literally like every answer that you've had thus far, I've been like, no way, I've totally like thought the same thing before. And then you said blue light glasses because I totally got those not too long ago. Yes, they're a lifesaver, seriously. Yeah, and like, I I know some people that wear them all day just to help with headaches. I just wear them like the last hour or two before I go to bed. And even if it's a placebo or not a placebo, I go to bed, I fall asleep faster. So it works, it works. And they look cool. So it's just an excuse to add some extra style to your everyday. There you go. Ashley Beaton, all about the swag. <laughs> exactly. That's how they do it at UIS. Uh, yeah, the prairie stars, absolutely. <laughs> so, last question, where can the listeners find more of you? Okay, so what I do today is social media. So, my personal social media accounts, I'm on all the time. Um, Twitter is more of like my, I guess, more professional, like where I put out all the stuff I do for work. And so, you can find me at I Can't Be Beaten a good pun on my last name. Hey. Um, and then my Instagram is Ash underscore beats. And I, like I would handles. say those are the two outlets that y'all can find me at. Cool. Cool. Um, 
So these are fantastic answers. I, I love that we were able to kind of do this and, you know, the culmination of us meeting in, in Florida five, no, four years ago. Wow. Crazy. Well, I guess it'll be five years in, in March, 2020. Yeah. It doesn't seem that long ago, but in a little bit different aspect, it kind of does. Like, I feel like we've all grown so much because we were sophomores, juniors in college, and now we're out adulting in the real world. <laughs> Fun fact, I was a freshman on that trip. Were you really? You didn't know that? No, I don't think I knew that because I don't think I was. Yeah, I was not a freshman. Yeah, there was like, huh. it was like 80%, uh, no, probably like 70% juniors, like 20% sophomores, and like 10% freshmen. Look at you, minority, yeah. the young ones. Making making moves. So I'm glad that we were able to kind of stay in touch a little bit throughout the years and, and do this. And, and like I said, I'm looking forward to to the rest rest of the world, student athlete worlds are going to change. So thank you again. No, thank you for having me. This was awesome. And hopefully to the listeners out there, this helped at least a little bit. Um, always open for questions if anyone wants to contact me, but super thankful that you asked me to be on this podcast. This is awesome. Um, can't wait to see what you do in your career, whether you stay down in Texas or come back up to the Midwest. Um, it's exciting. So I'm excited to keep in touch. All right. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to our next chat. Yep. Thanks. And that does it for this episode of the Talking Shop Podcast. Thank you very much for giving me your time. I really do appreciate it. I hope this episode did a good job of making you stop and think and evaluate about the topics discussed. I'd love to hear what you thought, so please feel free to give me a comment, rating, review, like on whatever platform you're listening on. Let me know what you want to hear next. Hit me up on social media at Coach Big Toe. That's at Coach B-I-G-T-O-E on Insta and Twitter. Remember, we can all get better together.